0: A few weeks ago, I started doing a study, personal study on anger in Scripture. When I do that, I'll, I'll copy and paste every term that I can think associated with it and do a Bible search. And of course, with software, it's, it's very simple to pull up 20 pages worth of verses. And uh, if you walk through the Old Testament, most of the expressions of anger that you see are associated with god himself but also there is a warning in scripture it says that the the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of god and and by and large that's the way it is for us i mean i uh, this last week we had our grandson's over and one of them decided to go outdoors but the screen door was locked and so When I come around the corner, I see this screen door being pushed out at the point of breaking, and I let him know in no uncertain terms I did not really want him to break my door. Um, Bad grandpa, I know. (laughs) Uh, And he's explaining, I didn't know it was locked. Got that. Uh, By then, my anger was cooling down, but I'm realizing, you know, so often my expression is rooted in, in either a a uh, pride, or a, a fear, or a selfishness. You know, I didn't want to go buy a new door, and it doesn't necessarily ask God. You know, first, <laughs> what what's your wish for my statement here? It's more just a react, and and we're warned against such things in Scripture. But what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to to just point out that when we are dealing with others, oftentimes when we encounter angry people, there's an opportunity for us to either view them as enemies or the lost, so to speak, those who have yet to find Christ. And and I think that, by and large, we're encouraged to use a, a broader parameter with this idea of loss that says these are potential friends, whether they're angry or not, these are potential ones who God will reach into their lives. And what I'd like to do is walk through the, the conversion of Saul just to, to make that known, but uh, first there's a couple things. Uh, Jesus, when he approaches a man that most had written off with Zacchaeus, the tax collector, one who had been hated by most, you know uh, similar to our appreciation of the IRS in those days. Tax collectors had that same you know, persona or, or awareness. But uh, Jesus makes this comment. He says, the Son of Man came to look for and save people who are lost. And When he tells the kids, I'm going to your house. We're going to share a meal. You know, everybody around is going, what on earth is he doing? We know this man. We don't like him. And yet Jesus is saying, I'm reaching out. In John 3, we read that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn, but to save. He says there there is a condemnation already over these lives for people that don't receive. But he, he says that's not the focus of our pursuit. It's to see people find forgiveness in Christ and find relationship with him. In John 12, he talks about being the light that has come into the world, came to save the people of the world. He says they'll be judged on the last day. That's not our role right now. Okay. The tension of this comes out even in translations. When you uh, read of Paul's trip to Macedonia... And he makes a declaration, conflicts on the outside, fears within. He said, There's a lot of, there were a lot of things going on in our lives. A lot of opposition by others, a lot of internal anxiety. Some of the, one of the translations that goes, enemies on the outside, fears within. It's not the specific word that he uses, but it's their paraphrase of this is what's taking place. So it's, it's a challenge in our day as well. Are, are people who are adversarial toward us, are they enemies or are they lost? And there's a challenge in, in us, and I, and I want to, in a sense, nudge our thinking toward that idea of, this person is loved by God, no matter what they're doing in this moment. to the story of Saul. First time we see him on the scene is Acts chapter 7. Stephen uh, has been brought before the council. He's being stoned to death, and it says they lay their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. He's watching them. Later on, when he gives his testimony, uh, he goes back in Acts 22, and he says, I stood there, and this translation says, I cheered them on. You know, he, he was there, he's watching after their cloaks so that no one swipes stuff, but he's kind of rooting for what's going on, the killing of a man. In Acts chapter 9, things were changing. He's taken it a step further. It says he kept on threatening to kill the Lord's followers. He went to the high priest and asked for letters to give him permission to rest and take to Jerusalem any man or woman that accepted the Lord's way. Again, we have him telling this story later on in several chapters, and there are pieces that are added to it that help us understand it. He says in Acts 22, I made trouble for everyone who followed the Lord's way. I even had some of them killed. I had others arrested and put in jail. I didn't care if they were men or women. So he says, I was adversarial enough that I was putting people to death. I was causing trouble, trying to convince them to change their minds. How do you walk through that? I think you really should reconsider. I'll put you to death if you don't renounce this. No, it was intense, right? And he says, didn't matter if I was busting up families. Men or women, it just didn't matter. I was was angry enough. In fact, in the 26th chapter, when he's giving his testimony to King Agrippa, he makes this declaration. He says, I tried to make them give up their faith. In fact, I was so angry with them that I went looking for them in foreign cities. So he's making this declaration. He says, I was anger-driven. This is, this is, what, this is a personality that we would see on this person. I mean, when, when we look around our world and we see conflict and, and tension going on and we see angry people, is the perception of them as, as lost ones who have yet to find God, who need God? Or is this just, this is my enemy and I need to set up a barrier or something that will you know, stop them? If Jesus came to seek and save the lost, And a man like Saul could become saved and have an encounter with God. There's something in us that needs to buy into that as well. And there are times, obviously, when we have adversarial relationships and the only reason is what we have in Christ. But that does not give us the liberty to fight tooth and nail over such things. Let's go on in this story. When Saul had almost reached Damascus, a bright light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you so cruel to me? So this man is having a spiritual encounter where others couldn't get to him in word. He's having an encounter with God. Who are you, Saul asked. I'm Jesus, the Lord answered. I'm the one you're so cruel to. Now get up and go to the city there where you'll be told what to do. Now, uh, the others around him didn't hear the same thing. They didn't necessarily know what was going on. But when he gets up, he's blind, and he can't see. And he, it says he's led by the hand to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Interesting. you know. <laughs> we like Straight Streets. There could be a lot of them here. But uh, in that day, special thing, Straight Street. Okay, got it. I know, that's an aside. It just it is intriguing to me. Um, but he's three days without being able to see. Most of us, when we have encounters with God, by the next year, is that, did that really happen? But he's still got this blindness on him for three days, and so he has nothing to do but think. And he's not eating. He's just, he's messed up. And every time he would doubt that something took place like this, he has to deal with his eyesight where he can't see. And so the Lord spoke to him, but he also did what was completely essential. He put him in a place where he just had to sit still. In all this anger, what's he going to do with it? When you're humbled enough that somebody has to lead you by the hand, It's not the best platform for expressing anger, is it? God knew how to get to him, and he did. And then what's intriguing to me is that the Lord spoke to him, but he immediately brings him into the community, so to speak, into fellowship with others. So he doesn't complete the process until he connects him with Ananias. It says there was a follower named Ananias, lived in Damascus, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision. Ananias answered, Lord, here I am. You know, how wonderful, a saint has a vision. And the Lord says, get up and go to the house of Judas. When you get there, you'll find a man named Saul from the city of Tarsus. Saul's praying and he's seen a vision. He saw a man named Ananias coming to him, put his hands on him so that he could see again. So, God's told Saul the next step is for a man named Ananias to come here. Saul's continuing to pray to see that take place. Now, here, Ananias replied, Lord, a lot of people told me about terrible things about this man. So, he's informing the Lord God, I've heard rumors. I've got pretty good information from other people. This guy's a real jerk. I've heard it said about this person. You know, the, the single problem, I mean, this is a godly man who's embracing a vision from the Lord, right? But he is not necessarily listening to what God has to say about this other person. He's heard what others have said. He's taken that in as the truth, which on the surface it is. But he's not seeing them with God's eyes. That's challenging to me. To say first, how does God view this person? What is God speaking into this heart? Not what are others telling me about them that may be accurate, but fail to see with the eternal. They've told me terrible things. They've given him power to arrest others. The Lord says, go. I've chosen him to tell foreigners, kings, and people of Israel about me. And I'll show him how much he must suffer for worshiping in my name. And Ananias, Ananias left and went. So, I mean, the beauty of it is God addresses him and says, I want this done. And Ananias is obedient. Awesome. So, he goes there. And uh, it says he places his hands on him and says, Saul, the Lord Jesus has sent me. He's the same one appeared to you along the road. He wants you to be able to see and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's bringing it about and says, okay, your physical healing has come, but there's also the internal change. He wants his Holy Spirit to live in you. He wants to transform you completely. He wants to dwell in you. Amazing. This is the same man that has killed people that has let his anger take him all over the place but now God is getting a hold of him. Suddenly something like fish scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see. He got up and was baptized then ate and felt much better. This baptism is significant in that he's making public declaration. I'm now part of the way, so to speak. I am embracing this as a part of the community of God. I am embracing the person of Jesus Christ. Soon he went to the Jewish meeting places, starting pe- telling people that Jesus is the Son of God. Everyone who heard was amazed said he preached with such power he completely confused the Jewish people in Damascus. Later they made plans to kill him and he has to humble himself enough to be let out in a basket and escape at night. So his life is completely upside down, but in a good way. When he got to Jerusalem, it says he tried to join the followers, but they were all afraid of him because they did not believe he was a true follower. So again, even acceptance in the community, even though God brought him to Ananias, acceptance isn't automatic. And yet, this is where he belongs. And Thankfully, a man named Barnabas understands that, seeks him out, brings him in, introduces him to the apostles, And establishes him, makes that connection that that is needed by an insider, so to speak. You know, Barnabas has already been mentioned in scripture for giving away the money from a field. He's he's known within the community as a man of outstanding character, and he's the one that sees a newbie (laughs) that says, This guy needs to be embraced. And he brings him in and says, We need to accept this. It says, from then on, Saul moved about freely with the followers in Jerusalem and told everyone about the Lord. So I look at that and I'm going, okay, are there people in my life that I know are angry toward me personally? And am I willing to ask God, how do you perceive them? how do you want me to see them? Or if there are groups of people that are known for their anger toward Christianity, what is God's perception? And how does God want them seen? I think it's really important in days like this for us to look and say, if God could bring a a man who had killed Christians to the Lord and bring him into the community of believers, and eventually bring him into leadership among that community. You know, we know him as the Apostle Paul. How much could that happen today as well? And how do I need to perceive others? I mean, the truth is, I get hacked off if somebody disses Christianity on Facebook. One of my friends. Well, I need to ask God, how do you see them? And there are times when you genuinely will have people angry at you, and you can't point to anything other than your faith in Christ. The challenge is not to respond just in anger, write them off, but the challenge is to say, Lord, how do I need to see them? How are you viewing them in this moment? I know what others are saying, and I know the accuracy of what's being done, but how do you see them? And then, Lord, help us to walk with your eyesight in this situation. Why don't you stand with me? Lord, for some in this room, a family member has been very adversarial. It has made life miserable at family get-togethers and um, in just association together. And we ask that you help us to set aside our hurts long enough to see them from your eyesight and your view. And then, Lord, we pray that you would infuse in us A measure of your spirit that speaks life and grace. And allow us to walk in your path. When we look around us and we see groups that are adversarial, and we can't point to anything that we've individually done, but we know that there's an anger there, we ask again, help us to see individuals with your eyesight and to know that you have the power to influence any life. Give us faith to see these things through. Amen. Recently, I had a conversation with someone in this community that's known as an adversary of uh, what we would consider faith. And uh, I didn't go looking for the conversation. It came to me. And I suddenly realized halfway into it, This is one of the most uptight, nervous people that I've ever encountered. Fears are all over them. And I'm going, I have not prayed for this person the way I should. That uh, they need the Lord. They need the Lord. They're lost in this moment. And uh, it has very little to do with their position and these other things. They need Christ. So it it changed my heart in that moment. And I'm just praying that uh, in this day and in this group that God will give us his eyesight to see others as he sees them. And I pray for his blessing on you as you go out into the community. Lord, may each one here see the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives discover with joy the work of your spirit changing their hearts as they are washed in your forgiveness set free from patterns of sin risen in new life I pray Lord as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others that they will see with your eyes I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the deeds of your kingdom they will be loving toward all. Enable them with the supernatural, I ask. Be exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.